0: Welcome to the show. Hello my love. Welcome to a new episode of the Purpose Girl podcast. We're going to shake things up a little bit today. So we have just reached our 6 month mark of the Purpose Girl podcast. Oh my god. Congratulations to all of us. I'm like so excited. I'm so honored. It is such a joy. This is one of, if not my favorite thing to do every week is to share this information, the science of women's happiness with you and receive your comments, receive your emails. I've been receiving emails from women in Australia, in Malta, in various places in the United States, in Canada, all over the world. And I know that you're out there sharing this information. You're using it for yourself. You're sharing it with your moms and your sisters and your friends, your colleagues. And I am so grateful. I'm so grateful. And I'm receiving your emails with amazing questions. And so we're going to take today's episode of the Purpose Girl Podcast for me to answer some of your questions. And I think what we'll do is we'll shake it up every once in a while. We'll do a and a show. And that lets you know that you should go ahead and send me questions to karen at karenrockhine.com, karen at karenrockhine.com, or go on purposegirl.com and click to contact me and ask me your questions and know that they will be answered. So let's get right to it. So the number one question that I am asked all the time, people say to me, Karen, you have this kind of dynamic personality. Are you always happy? Well, anyone who listens to the show knows that, no, I'm not always happy. I go through challenges like anyone else. As you know, if you listened to the episode a couple of weeks ago, I had a miscarriage not that long ago. When I was young, I was in high school, I was abused, physically abused by my first love, and it created pain in my heart and a lack of trust and really a lack of connecting deeply for about 25 years. And I've been depressed at various points in my life. In fact, I think that maybe I'm the kind of person that has maybe a little string of depression running underneath. And I'll tell you, I wasn't like that as a kid. As a kid, I was super happy, super optimistic. My brother used to call me naive all the time. And, you know, my sister would tell her friends in college that I farted rainbows and puppy dogs, literally. But life uh, got real got real with abuse. It got real with miscarriage. Life got real with being with a dear friend when he drowned and I couldn't save him in so many other situations. And so, no, I'm not always happy. I have to work on it. And one of the things that one of my mentors recently said is that happiness takes discipline. And I loved this. She was talking about how living as a woman who is in her pleasure, this is Regina Tomaschauer, takes discipline. And that is so true. So what we know from the research is that happiness literally is a choice. It's making a decision. Do you want to be happy or not? Now, that's not to say you're going to be happy when there is a loved one in the hospital or when you find out that you owe another $15,000 on your taxes and you didn't know that you did, or you have a miscarriage or, or some sort of trauma. Of course, you're not gonna be happy in that moment. And we'll get to a question later about what you do with that stuff. But overall in our lives, happiness is a choice. It's literally on any given day saying, today I'm gonna choose differently. And we know from the research, research was done with twins who were separated at birth and then later found each other. And they wanted to know, is happiness biological or is happiness more how you were raised. Is it nature? Is it nurture? And what we know is that there is a certain amount of your overall emotional well-being that is genetic, but that just gives you a range of possibility for you. And some of us have a higher range and some of us have a lower range. But the majority, what happens within that range is entirely up to you. It is up to you. At least 40% of everyone's happiness is totally in their control. What that means is that you can be at the top of your range or the bottom of your range based on what you choose to do. And the number one thing to do is to decide, I'm going to be happy. And if you don't know what makes you happy, decide that you're going to figure out what makes you happy. Decide that you're going to begin this journey and understanding that happiness is not some sort of destination that you're getting to, but that it is part of how you live every day finding the things that make you happy and doing those things every day, every week. Creating the moments for yourself of joy. Moments like when you look in the mirror, are you saying to yourself, oh, another great hair or Ugh, my wrinkles or Ugh, my thighs? Or are you looking in the mirror and you wink at yourself? Hey, gorgeous. It's a momentary decision. And so I am not always happy. I have to remind myself of it all the time. You know, we teach that which we have to learn. So the fact that I teach you the science of happiness means that I am constantly getting to learn it, constantly getting to practice it. And the truth is, I was. I was a really happy child. And then, you know, depression set in, I think, when I was abused at 17. I had my first panic attack then. And then I think there's been kind of an undercurrent of depression since And so I have to manage it like anyone else. And the way that I manage it is, number one, self-care, right? I see a therapist. There are times I don't, but right now I am. I, you know, I'm dealing with issues. If you listen to my birthday podcast around miscarriage and my own thinking through how I cope with that. So a therapist, I go to yoga several times a week. I run several times a week, choosing what I put in my body, what I don't. Knowing if I choose to put an Oreo in my body, a gluten-free one, then I'm probably going to feel a little crappy the next day. But making it a choice. Choosing if I know someone is calling me and I don't have the mental capacity to hold space for them, then choosing not to answer the phone. And even choosing my thoughts. So really getting to know when I'm in the middle of mind chatter, and sometimes it's 10 minutes and my mind will be off on a negative rant about something, right? Someone who pissed me off, something I could have done better or differently, or just a rant about all the 10,000 things I need to get done, and then to catch myself. You know, making a choice about how you do your mornings, making a choice about how you do your time, right? So for me, I know that a choice I need to be happy is to meditate for at least 10 minutes every day. And then to make a choice about journaling every day, journaling what I'm grateful for, what I'm proud of, and what I'm excited about every single day. And that creates more joy for me, making the space and the time for the things that excite me. And so I'm not always happy. And I'm always wanting to make a choice that will put me back. The second question I get most frequently, someone will say to me, And I received this question in email, and I get it every single time I speak somewhere. Someone will say to me, okay, I get all this for myself, and I'm on board with it, but how do I get someone else to stop being so negative? How do I get my mother to be happier? How do I get my sister to change? How do I get my husband to start taking his health more seriously or his emotional health more seriously? And this is such a great question. The simple answer is you can't. And I don't want to be a downer here or disappoint you, but we can't make anyone else be different. What we can do, and the number one thing that you can do, is to be the role model for the behavior, the actions, the emotional content that you wish to see in someone you love, Every single one of us, because of evolution, we are all prone to watching each other and to comparing ourselves to each other. Social comparison, which often makes us miserable, right? Like you go on Facebook and you see everybody else's life was perfect and everyone else's Christmas vacation, their kids were perfect because that's all people are posting. And so you do a lot of comparison. It's not healthy. However, we actually compare for a biological reason, for an evolutionary reason. Excuse me. When our ancestors thousands of years ago were needing to survive, they would look at what everyone else is doing. And if my family had a lot of food and yours didn't, you would look at me and say, well, what's Karen's family doing? And then you would try to mimic that. And so when you are using the tools that I talk about, and I give you the purpose power tips on this show, When you are making a daily choice about your own happiness, when you are waking up and you are meditating, or you are waking up and you are saying three good things to yourself, or you are looking in the mirror and you are complimenting yourself instead of rejecting yourself, that radiates to other people. Other people are watching. Number one, your kids are watching, right? So your kids, we know from the research, kids are going to do as you do, not as you say, and so they're watching and if you start to model behavior where we where you are focusing on the positive instead of the negative that will become more routine to them they will start to do the same of course they may roll their eyes at first and ugh oh, this is so stupid but they're paying attention the same is true for your partner or for your colleagues And I know this can be so hard. It is so hard to have to live with a Debbie Downer, live with someone who's negative. It's so hard to be in an office with someone who is constantly negative. And it requires a lot of setting boundaries, a lot of emotional strength, resilience, a lot of it. And all you can do is what you can do so that you keep showing up the way you wanna show up. So I would ask you, how do you wanna show up in the world? And the more you are that then the more other people will notice. Similarly, like that with, uh, with a parent, with let's say with your mom or with, with your partner, you can share information that you're learning. Hey, I was listening to this podcast and here's something that they shared and here's an article on it I think that you would love, right? You also can set a boundary around someone. If it's in your home, if your partner is coming home so negative every single day, you can say, you know what? We don't have space for that in this house. If your partner is coming home negative every single day, you can make a decision to say, I love you so much. I want to hear all about you and your day. And I've decided I want this to be positive space. I don't have space for all of this negativity. And so... You can make a boundary and say, how about you spend the next five minutes, get out whatever negativity you have, and then we're going to spend 10 minutes only on positivity. Or you just leave it at the five minutes and then you say, and then let's have a family switch, that we're just going to focus on what is good, or we're going to focus on finding solutions. You are allowed to protect your energy that way. Same is true, let's say it's your mom. You know, if your mom is constantly calling you complaining, you can say, mom, I love you so much. And I don't think this is helpful to you or to me. So here's how we can set up our conversation. You can tell me what's going on. And then I'm going to ask you what solutions you have. So we have to take charge of that. And not everyone wants that. So another way to set a boundary in my life when someone is constantly negative and calling me, I I have someone in my life like this. What I will do is literally decide, do I have the space to answer this phone call or not? And then number two, if I answer the phone call, decide how much time I have to give. And then number three is while the person, if they're getting so negative and it's impacting my energy, in my mind, I will just keep saying, sending them love, sending love, sending love, sending love. And literally imagine that I'm sending like a pink bubble of love to that person. All of this takes work. It takes discipline. And we can feel really selfish. I know sometimes I feel really selfish if I don't answer the phone. But listen, selfish is not such a horrible thing. I don't know who decided it was such a bad word. To protect your energy, to ensure that you are prioritizing your energy, maybe is a better way to say it than protect, but to ensure that if you only, we all have only so much energy every day and you need to make sure that your energy is positive and that you have space and energy for your work, you have space and energy for your kids, or you have space and energy for your painting or tennis class, whatever it might be you're allowed to protect it because the more you protect it, the better you're going to be for everybody else. So we have to shift thinking that we're selfish for setting a boundary and realize that it's actually other-ish because the more we protect our own energy, the better we are for everybody else. Great question. Thank you, those of you who asked me that question. All right, next question I get all the time. I hate my job, but I can't leave. What do I do? Such a good question. So, I hate my job, but I can't leave. Okay, so first of all, the way that you're saying that is really messing with you. If you are saying, I can't do something, then you can't, right? Then you won't because you're literally putting a barrier. So, what we know from the way that our brain works and psychology is that We all have something called limiting beliefs. So a belief is a thought that you have had over and over and over again. And you've had that thought so many times that now you believe it, right? So if you have a belief that you're sitting on a chair, someone, or you've had a thought, someone told you when you were a little baby, that is a chair pointed at the item that you are sitting on. And you had that thought over and over again, chair, chair, chair. It's kind of like learning a new language. You now have the belief that is a chair, but in another language, it's called something else. So We only believe something because we've thought it over and over and over again. And so if you believe I can't leave my job or marriage or whatever it might be for you, then you've just taken, you've had that thought and now you believe it. But just because you believe it doesn't mean that it's true. So a major thing that we actually teach in the positive psychology program and that I teach in all of my women's coaching programs and do a lot of corporate talks on is on mindset. And my favorite mindset shift is every time you hear yourself say the word can't, I can't, to simply shift it into a question, which is, how can I? Because your brain is always having conversation, right? My brain never shuts up. I imagine yours is the same. So your brain moves in the, di- in the direction of the question asked. And so if you just say, I can't, it's a dead conversation. And then, oh, but I'm so unhappy. I'm so stuck. I'm so stuck, but I can't. Merrily Adams wrote a book called Change Your Questions, Change Your Life. In which she talks about how we can either be on a learner path where we're asking ourselves questions and coming to new conclusions, or we can be in a judger pit. And I can't is a judger pit. And it's called a pit because the conversation ends there. And then you just become miserable. Rather, if you ask the question, how can I? Well, how can I leave my job? Well, I can leave if I had another job to go to or I could leave if my husband were willing to take on more hours, or I could leave if my wife said that we have enough money for six months, or I could leave if we had X amount of savings, or I could leave if. So shifting from I can't to how can I will begin to get you to see a way. And you can set a timeline for yourself. It doesn't have to be today you're leaving the job. Often if we know, okay, I'm doing this for one year, I'm going to raise as much money as I can and save it, it releases some of the misery, because you know that you have an out. In fact, after I went back to graduate school for my master's in positive psychology, I left the corporate world, went back to get my master's. I thought I would then start my own business, but I ran out of money, right? School is expensive. And so I needed to take another corporate job. And I made myself a deal. I'm going to take this corporate job for six months and save as much money as I can. And while I'm in this corporate job, I'm going to work on my business. And so I worked on it on the weekends. I worked on it at night. I worked on it in the morning before I went to work. I would do coaching calls. I was started to take coaching clients, and I would do coaching calls during lunch, right? Everyone gets a, a an hour lunch, so I may as well take mine and do coaching calls. So there is no such thing as can't. There is you can when or you can if. And if you're like, but I don't know even what I would go do next, which is a separate question that I wanted to answer anyhow. So, you know, people always say, like, I don't even know where to start to know what it is that I want to do. So a lot of people start thinking of the careers that you might want. Like, maybe I want to be a nurse. And then your brain's like, oh, but nurses have to work at night. Oh, but it's blood. Oh, but it's a lot of school. Or maybe your brain's like, no, maybe I want to be a teacher. Oh, but they don't make a lot of money, right? So anytime your brain is trying to think of a job title for you to shift to, It's also going to have a whole bunch of arguments. It's always going to be giving you reasons why you can't do a particular job. So instead of saying, do I want this job or that job? No, I call that the theory of the nouns and it's going to mess you up every time. Instead, what you want to do is you want to start to say, who am I? What is best about me? When do I feel lit up and alive? You have to get to know yourself first and to go through a series of exercises i take my coaching clients in to get to know your own strengths get to know your own passions get to know when you love being you what feels good for you and then you follow those breadcrumbs you follow that joy and the more you know yourself the more you're following your joy first of all your day job then will become more tolerable Also, it will help you figure out what you want to do next. But you don't stay focused on, well, is it that career or that career? Decide you're going to do it differently because that's not going to work. What works instead is getting really curious about yourself. And I actually have a Living on Purpose guide, which is a guide with a whole bunch of these questions free on my website at PurposeGirl.com. So it's a great first step. And if you're unhappy in your job and you're like, I can't leave, that is a great first step to pause and start to learn about yourself. And as you learn about yourself, you also then can start learning, well, how much money do I really need to live, right? If, if we were to not take vacation for a year, we were to do driving vacations instead of flying vacations, just so that I could save money in order to leave. Or, you know, figure out what you know and figure out about who you are and what juices you up and makes you feel alive and figure out what you don't know and that you need to figure out and then decide that you're going to figure it out, that you're going to spend the time with a coach. You're going to spend the time doing courses. You're going to spend the time to create what it is that you actually will love. If I had known now what I know, right? I did not leave my corporate job from the time I figured out my purpose until the time I left was eight years, eight long years. And listen, I did, I loved what I did before. It was amazing. And I knew that I was here for something else. I just kept thinking, I can't live without health insurance. I can't live. What if I don't make any money? I can't do it. And as I started shifting, what I now know, I make more money now than I did in my vice president job. And I am on the, in America, we have to buy our health insurance. And so I have a private health insurance. There are always answers to how can I? The other thing I want you to focus on, if this is it for you, is to start appreciating where you are. What do you like about your job? What is enjoyable there? Maybe have daily gratitude around your current work, not because you have to stay there. But what happens is that the way our brain works is that when we are in a positive state... Literally, our brain expands. Our prefrontal cortex that is responsible for creativity and problem solving and trust and relationship building and connecting with other people, that lights up. And so if you're in a negative place, people won't want to be around you. No one likes you. You're going to be stressed out. You're going to be closed off. It's just how the brain and body work. But if you're in a positive place where you're focusing on what you do like about your job, appreciating what you do have, where you are now starting to do some of the work, right? Some of the fun stuff of who am I and getting curious and what am I all about? And, oh, I like tennis, so let me start playing more tennis. Even if I never become a pro tennis player, you're starting to make yourself happier. What we know from the research is that the happier you are, the more friends you attract, the more business contacts you attract, the more ideas you come up with, the more connections that you make. This happened with one of my clients. She came to see me and hated her job and wasn't sure what she wanted to do. And in the first session, she kept saying, the problem is, the problem is, the problem is. So she she would have an idea. Well, I would love to go do this, but the problem is. Well, I'd love to go do that, but the problem is. So in the second session, I decided to count how many times she says, the problem is. She said it 20 times in the first half hour. So I had to pause her and I said, listen, my love, do you realize what you say like more than anything else? No. And I said, You say the problem is all the time. So you are constantly telling yourself that there is, you can't do what you want to do. She was constantly in a negative. So we shifted that about her and she became aware of it. And we wanted to do it in a really like laughable, I'm so adorable that my brain thinks that way, not beating herself up, but like, oh, there it is again. Okay. Let me shift that thinking. And then we started getting her doing, instead of saying, we were talking about what she would enjoy doing, right? Not talking about the career, but just getting her in a place where she's happier in her life and knowing herself first. She had originally said she couldn't hike because she didn't have, the problem was she didn't have someone to hike with, or she would love to sing in a choir, but the problem was she can't sing in a choir because she doesn't belong to a church. So as we shifted, all the problem is to, well, how can you? She just became a happier person. Forgetting about the job for a moment, the self-discovery piece of becoming and living a happier life, then what ended up happening is she was so happy every time she sang in a choir, she joined a choir every time she sang, that she ended up getting a job offer from someone in that choir because they got to talk to her, got to know her, got to really like her, see who she was and what she's capable of, and listening to her getting to know herself, and they offered her a job. So this is the truth, that you want to really get to know yourself first and be focused on appreciation, gratitude, happiness in your life now while you're kind of getting to know yourself and then allow that to shift into you making the connections and you attracting the people who will be able to help you with the next thing, right? So you want to appreciate where you are while desiring what's next great question i love that question next question i thought my life would be different i'm just unhappy and i don't know where to start who do i get this so in fact when i turned 40 the year i turned 40 i started getting emails from several women who i hadn't talked to since we were girls you know women that i went to summer camp with when we were 10 or women i was in the sorority with when we were 18 19 And they all said the same thing, right? Several of these women had done everything that they were supposed to do, the marriage, the kids, the house, but were still unhappy. A couple of the women, it didn't turn out the way they thought. They ended up getting divorced and then they were unhappy, or they ended up not ever getting married and were unhappy, or they ended up not reaching the career that they thought they would have by 40 and ended up unhappy. And I totally got where every single one of them was. Because that's exactly where I had been in my mid-30s. Exactly. Sometimes all we know is that we are unhappy. And we don't even realize what would make us happy. And so if you just know I'm unhappy, I'm unhappy, and you keep repeating that to yourself, I know when I keep repeating the negative to myself, I make myself more and more and more miserable right? I was actually this morning, I was in the car driving to the farmer's market and was doing that, thinking of all the negatives and had to pause and go, wait a minute. Happiness is a choice. It's a decision. So I'm going to choose in this moment to stop saying all these negative things and stop thinking the unhappy thoughts and shift instead to what am I grateful for? What is good? What am I excited about today? And it totally shifted everything. It was making a decision. So first of all, the way our brain works is it responds to, it moves in the direction. So if you are saying unhappy, 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 your brain is going to just produce more unhappy. But if you're saying, huh, I would like to be happy, and then you start getting curious about what happiness is, your brain always wants to approach something. So the first thing to do is to start defining what is it that you really want. Wayne Dyer, may he rest in peace, used to say, What do you really, 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 really want? That it has to be four reallys. You have to want it that bad. And if you're sitting there, you're going, I don't know. I don't know. I want you to think about this question in terms of how do you want to feel, right? For years, I didn't know what I wanted. Most of the clients I work with don't know what they want. But we do know we can get in touch with how we want to feel. Do you want to feel excited about life again? Do you want to feel at peace in your heart and soul? Do you want to feel happy and joyous? Do you want to feel like you're making a difference? So get into the how you want to feel. Start there and then define that. So if you say, well, I just want to be happy. What does happy mean to you? Because some people tell me happiness means feeling fulfilled in their heart and soul. Some people tell me happy means joyous. And if you find yourself then saying, well, happiness means I'm not stressing. Well, then your brain here is not stressing, and so it's going to stress more. It's just the way the brain works. So you want to take any negative and flip it into a positive opposite. So what is not stressing? Well, not stressing is peace. Okay, great. So what does peace mean? How do you know you're at peace? What do you feel like when you feel at peace? What colors do you feel in your body? When have you been at peace before? Or if it's joy, you go through the same questions. You want to start with the feeling Get that feeling in your body and then really start doing the curious, positive, fun investigation of what gives you that feeling. So that's the place to start. How you want to feel. Next question. I can't get my mind too quiet. Great question. This one from someone in Australia. I get it. Me too. You're not going to. Our brains were evolved. Our brains have been wired to think constantly, to never shut up. That's why uh, the Buddhist monks call it the monkey mind, because it's just monkeying around there. It never shuts up. You know, as we talked about in the Purpose Girl podcast episode about perfection, when I interviewed Petra Kolber, and in her book, she had written how we have 70,000 thoughts a day, and 95% of them are the same as your thoughts were yesterday. And 80% of them are negative, right? We have something called negativity bias. Our brain gears more toward the negative. We have to understand this is just what it's like to be human. And every human, in fact, I will do this sometimes. I'll be at a market and I will look around at everyone else waiting in the checkout line and try to just get really quiet so I can hear or imagine all the chatter that's going through their brains. Do that the next time you're on a subway or sitting in traffic. Everyone's brains are going crazy of the to-do list, of beating themselves up for what they did wrong, thinking about all the people who have wronged them, the ways that they're victim, on and on and on. So what we have to do, again, is have that discipline. First of all, it's the decision. The decision that you are going to work, you're going to do your mind differently, right? If you do not control your mind, it will control you. Mine does, does for all my friends and clients, so I imagine it does for you too. So what we actually have to do is make a decision. And this is why I love meditation. And a lot of people say to me, but I I can't meditate. My mind never shuts up. It's like, yeah, me too. That's exactly why I meditate. I used to say, I can't do yoga. I'm not flexible. And then a dear friend of mine who's a yoga instructor, she said, yeah, that's why you need to do yoga, right? So it's like to stretch out more. And the same is true for meditation. The idea of meditation isn't to sit with an empty brain for 30 minutes. The idea of meditation is to take a pause in your life because god knows you're running around all the time we all are life is too chaotic too busy and to take a pause and then to simply notice and notice when your mind gets off track and oh okay my mind has just been wandering for the last three minutes i'm going to bring it back and focus on my breath and then you would just say to yourself in out and then your mind might wander off again for another five minutes. And oh, look at that, my mind wandered off again. And then you bring it back and focus on your breath. That's the practice of, of meditation. Meditation is in the family of mindfulness, which is deciding that you are going to be present where you are. This is super hard, okay? Or it takes discipline, I should say. It takes practice. So you can practice being where you are by taking a mindful walk and noticing, oh, look at the trees. Oh, look at the river. Oh, I'm going to watch my feet take a step with the left, then a step with the right. Now, this all might sound ridiculous and like a waste of time when you've got a million and one things to do. However, what you're doing with these exercises is you're training your brain to actually be able to come back into focus and to think about what you want to think about. Because when you think negative thoughts, when you think about how your stomach has grown or how your are job sucks or how your sister-in-law wronged you. When your brain is filled with that, you don't feel good. You feel like crap because we know from cognitive behavioral therapy, cognitive psychology, that every thought you have leads to a feeling and every feeling you have leads to a behavior. So if you want to change your behaviors and you want to change how you feel, you begin with your thoughts. And so this is wonderful. These are wonderful tools that you work to control what you think about And you be kind and gentle to yourself when your brain goes off the rails, goes off track. And then you come back and it goes off and then you come back. And that is how you begin to get your mind quiet to actually be able to listen and to hear. It has taken me, I think, seven years to build a really solid, beautiful meditation practice. But it's called a practice because I've got to practice it every day. And listen, I will get off track and then it'll be like, a week or two weeks and I had meditated and I can feel it. Josh can feel it. And then it's okay. I'm not going to beat myself up for getting off track. I'm just going to do it again. What we know, right? Go back to that judger pit and learner path. If you're just like, well, I can't do it. The learner path says, how can I? And you can listen to guided meditations. You could just have a practice of deep breathing when you're in the shower. In order to be happy in life, we have to learn to slow it down. We were never meant to live at this pace. This chaotic stress is not what our bodies were made for or our brains. So we have to be able to take control of it, build up that mental resilience, and pause. Because when you can be in the pause, you can start getting so much clarity on what will bring you joy and who you are. All right, last question, because we are getting to a long here, uh, no, two more questions, a long podcast episode here. Hopefully you're enjoying all these questions, because... They're fun for me. I guess I need to do this more often because I have too many questions backed up. Someone sent me a note from Tennessee, United States, and said, I don't have the courage to take a leap. She knows what she wants to do, but just has no courage. All right, my love, everyone has courage. Every single one of us was born with courage. Let's look at the root of that word. The root of the word courage, cœur, means heart in French, right? Or the Latin, core, C-O-R. And rage is energy. So you can think of rage as energy, right? Like, hey, I'm going to a rage tonight, right? Like, it's, I'm going to rage. It's a big party. So it simply is energy. So courage is energy of the heart. We were all born with heart. Our heart tells us truth. That's where we have to get quiet to actually hear it. And we all have energy, the ability to take a leap on it. The fact is every single one of us was born courageous. Think about a baby who's learning to walk, right? The baby sits up and stands up on both legs and then falls down and then stands up again and falls down. Now, the baby will do this 30 times without beating themselves up, without giving up. They will just keep doing it until they actually can stand, until they actually can take a first step. The baby has courage and every single one of us was a baby at some point who learned to do things for the first time. I had a client who said this to me, that she just had no courage and she couldn't take the leap. All she wanted was to become a nurse and she just couldn't do it. It was, you know, she just kept saying to me, Karen, I have no courage. I'm not you. So I gave her the homework assignment. I want you to think about your life from way back and I want you to give me five examples of when you have been courageous. Sure enough, a week later she came in and She found five examples of being courageous. And number one was that she had had a miscarriage between her second and third child. And the miscarriage took her down, made her feel so depressed, so out of life. But she had the courage to wake up every day and take care of her other two kids. She had the courage to feed them. She had the courage to make them lunch. She had the courage to love them and read to them and to do their homework with them. She had the courage to keep living when it felt like her heart was dead. And that said to her, wow, if I had the courage to do that, then I have the courage to do anything. So that's a great tool for you. I want you to go back and look at all the times when you've been courageous. Improve to yourself. Remind yourself that you are very courageous and you have it within you. Last question. Where can you learn more and study these tools? So I get asked this all the time. Some of you may go to my website, PurposeGirl.com, and look up different coaching programs that I'm doing or retreats that I'm doing. And some of you may want more of the positive psychology aspect, some of the science. And so I'm thrilled to tell you about the Certificate in Applied Positive Psychology program that I teach in. It's through an organization called the Flourishing Center, and it's a six-month certification that's for everybody. It is one of, if not the best, personal and professional development program that I've ever come in contact with. I'm so honored that I get to teach in this program, that I'm affiliated with this program and with this school. So it's a six-month deep dive into the science of positive psychology, and you will learn a deep dive into how your brain works, into positivity, into being learning so much about how to shift from that judger pit to that learner path, how to shift from a you know a negative mindset into an optimistic one. You will learn how to do it for yourself and do it for others. You will learn all about how to be in flow and how to identify your own strengths, how to help others identify their strengths, how to have more discipline, how to practice your willpower. Learn all about what it means to have healthy, flourishing, thriving relationships, tools to create them in your own own life and to teach them to others, a whole module on meaning and purpose and go through the process of discovering, uncovering your own purpose, tools about goal setting and reaching your goals and habit forming and how to make changes in your life. And you'll learn some coaching basics. It's not a coaching program, but the people who take this program, many of them are coaches, Many of them are people who want to be coaches and they learn this program and then go start their practice afterwards. Many are therapists. Many are in business and bring this back. One of my students, when I taught this in Miami recently, was an executive at Morgan Stanley and he brought it back to for training within his business and to the employees and salespeople. So and sometimes people take this program just for your own personal benefit. I cannot speak more highly about it. It is incredible. You will learn. You will grow. And we are starting again this fall. We usually start in the fall and in the spring. So it's now fall 2018, and you want to be sure that you look for it. You can go to GetCertifiedInPP.com, GetCertifiedInPP.com, and if you use the code KarenR27, C-A-R-I-N-R27, then you get $150 off. So, make sure that you do that. If you have any questions, please contact me. I'm happy to talk to you about it or get you in touch with the right person who can. Personally, I'm teaching the course in Philadelphia. I usually teach in Miami, Florida, and decided I want a little home base. So, if you want to take the course with me, people fly in. I when I was teaching in Miami, someone flew in from South America, someone else flew in from Mexico. Like when I Anywhere I've taught, people are always flying in for it. So it's um, it's an incredible program. It will give you such a great education and will help you both personally and professionally. In fact, sometimes companies pay for it, um, and they should because it's such an awesome, awesome program that you can do trainings for all of your employees and become a better manager, become a better parent, become who you want to become. So again, that's pp.com or feel free to contact me and ask me any questions about it, karen at karenrockine.com. Whew. Okay. So this has been our first Q&A call. Um, what, what should I call this? I, I want a funky, cool name for it. What should I call? Let me know. Send me an email or post it on my Instagram or my Facebook. Instagram is Karen Rockind. Facebook is Coach Karen Rockind. Join the Purpose Girls group. It's a group where every week we post questions to help you think about your life and ways to engage with your life. So make sure you're joining us. It's free Purpose Girls group on Facebook. And of course, feel free to get in touch with me. Don't forget to get your free Living on Purpose guide at PurposeGirl.com. And as always, thank you for listening. I, we are just over the six-month mark, and this podcast is growing in audience every single week, and I cry when I see the numbers, and I am cry tears of joy. I, I'm so grateful. So thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing this information, for sharing the podcast with your friends, with your family, with your daughters, with your mothers, with your sisters. Also remember, Women's Global Happiness Day is coming up on October 18th. You want to go to womenshappy.com and learn more about how you can attend and be part of the revolution to eradicate women's depression, to empower women around the world, And of course, if you like this podcast episode, and I hope that you did, please, please, please leave me five-star reviews, let me know what you think, and be sure to share it. Together, we are absolutely changing the world, one woman at a time. With that, my love, may you live purposefully, may you love yourself, and may you love life. Bye for now.